Hey, welcome to the podcast, episode number three. It features uh, Michael Reckenwald, who is honestly a guy, and you'll understand right at the beginning, I wasn't sure if he was the real deal. I started reading his book and, uh, and, 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 and thought, boy, this is a great story, but is it real? Wow, it's even better than I thought. Listen all the way to the end of the podcast because it's it's remarkable. So he's a self-described former libertarian communist. I know, I asked him about that. He's he's worked in the university system his whole life. He has been part of the radical Marxist left until a few months ago. Today on this episode, he's going to share what happened to him when he finally woke up, what woke him up, and what happened to him. He's been he's been busy on Twitter as deplorable NYU professor. He's a guy who's published white papers on communists for communists. He is well respected in the communist community or was, but now he's writing tweets like this. Hey, Paul Parrot and robotic chanting leftists. You are losing the actual war of the intellect. Your minds are so utterly flabby from disuse that it's almost unfair to ask you to express a thought. The moon is the sun because I say it is, and if you disagree, you're a bigot. I see the right doesn't know a fraction regarding the insanity of the identitarian left. No father-daughter dances? Try people who identify as yellow-scaled wingless dragonkin and, quote, an expensive ornate building. It's way crazier than you think. Um, this is, that's real. His new book is Springtime for Snowflakes. I think it's a must read. You're going to love Michael Rechtenwald. So I wanted to sit down and talk to you because your story is absolutely incredible and fascinating. Um, and I'm not sure I know who you are yet. So that's my goal. Okay. Okay. That's great. So let's start at the beginning. Tell me who you were 10 years ago or who you've spent your life being and studying and thinking. Okay. Well, I mean, let me, let me give you a, a sort of a, um, anecdote that'll tell you who I was. Okay. Um, I'd say about 10 years ago, I used to be a regular on Joe Scarborough's co- a show called Scarborough Country. Yeah. <laughs> I was brought on as the, standard liberal pundit who they beat up on and then right. dispensed with, you know? Right. Uh, and so, you know, at one point, Joe Scarborough even suggested I might be a, I might be a traitor against the country that I should be tried for treason. Joe Scarborough <laughs> said that. Yeah. Wow. Because I, because I took exception with George Bush's, uh, execution of the war in Iraq. Right. So did I. Yeah. And, um, you know, so they, since he's leaned forward, I've leaned the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also a left communist at some point. You might have wanted to lead with that. Not want to lead with that? <laughs> no, you might have wanted to lead with that. Because that's where, that's where I find your um, transformation a little profound. It's How deeply profound. into that theory and that belief are anti-capitalist, pro-communist yeah. were you? Well, I was very well published as a, as a known uh, communist writer. I had essays all over the place. People referred to my work all the time. I had, it was, uh, I have essays that have been read by thousands of people. Um, I, they were critiques of certain other aspects of the left a lot of the time, but yeah. they were committed to uh, a, what I called a libertarian version of communism. That The idea was the Bolsheviks 
they were right in having a revolution, but they were wrong in killing everybody afterwards. <laughs> right. right. Uh, so, but how uh, does communism? Serious. Uh, this is a serious question. Yeah. How does communism work? For instance, I think the you know everybody just make money, put it in a big pile, and take what you need. Right. Um, I think that's a great plan. I really do. In utopian. Right. W- but when you're dealing with man, yeah. Men go well, bad quickly. Right. So I mean, how do you do that without the well, barrel of a gun? Let me just tell you what it's really, what the people that, that espouse this belief are about. Okay. okay I'm going to give it to you from the inside. This is okay. a story you'll never have heard before. Okay. Here's what they think. They think because they have this ideal that, that we can establish a de facto, you know, uh, equality in the world as it is. Mm-hmm. Because we have this idea, we're better than you, if you don't. Right. We're morally superior to you. Right. And we're intellectually superior to you. Mm-hmm. And another thing about Marxism is it gives you a lot of intellectual grist to, to grind on. And it gives you a lot of intellectual work to do. And it's, it's a sort of self-flattery that comes with that. Um, it's very highly in- engaging intellectually, mm-hmm. Marxism is. Uh, and there's a lot of different aspects to it that are quite compelling. They're good things to think. I mean, they're, it's, it's a good exercise for yeah. the mind. Um, yeah. it, it, I, will t- but I will tell you, I've, I, uh, I am a baby in any of, uh, of uh, Mark's philosophy, but I yeah. will tell you, it does, it pushes you to think differently because it it's, it's completely different. It's completely different. And so I was one of those people that thought that the world could be a much, much better place. And that this was the way to go about it. Now, we'll get to what I think now, but yeah, yeah. it's quite, quite different. Okay. I mean, it's a com- completely so, radically different from that. And you are, uh, you're a professor of... Global liberal studies. Okay. Ba- well, basically anything I want to teach is what that means. <laughs> what a gig. Yeah, it's a nice gig. Yeah. I teach my own textbook, for example... Uh, it's called Academic Writing, Real-World Topics, and I approach uh, various worldly topics from different... I let the students read about very controversial contemporary issues, but I make them look at all these topics from multiple perspectives so that people aren't... I'm not in, indoctrinating anybody. I'm not trying to inculcate some particular ideology. Was that always that That's way? That's always been the way I've taught. I've never been... I don't believe the classroom should ever be a site of indoctrination. Okay. And I've, I've, I've differed with people, colleagues of my own, uh, and other friends who are also professors and leftists who were, you know, they were trying to drive somebody to Marxist, right. feminist, right. you know, and that's just how they worked. They, right. Their syllabus were stacked that way. Best professor you could have is one that you, uh, you might think for half the class, he's this. That's right. And then the other half, he's arguing the exact opposite, and you have no idea right. where they stand. That's what I do. I embody yeah. different positions, you know, rather believably. Right. Uh, so that's been my approach. But um, when it comes to uh, my own change, it came basically from uh, uh, the terrible run-in I had with the left. And, and the, you know, I thought the, you know, the utopian and the egalitarian veneer uh, of leftists really is very thin. Uh-huh. <laughs> and when you scratch it a bit, underneath of that, I found totalitarians. Yeah. And that's what scared the heck out of me. And that really is what caused my political conversion. I've had, um, I've had a um, daughter of one of the communists that was arrested during the you know, communist trials yeah. uh, you know, from Hollywood. 
Yeah. Come to me. She still says, you'd call me a communist, Glenn. In my family, I'm called a conservative. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. But she, she, we've had several conversations and she and her friends are more afraid right now of what's happening on the campuses and the left yes. than they are on the right. And they're Absolutely. really concerned Absolutely. about the right. I said this from the beginning uh, when Trump uh, got into office or before he got into office even. Oh, I guess it was after when they, they founded the resistance. I said the resistance would be far worse than Trump. And I think that's been the case. I mean, the resistance is really unhinged and it's, it's fueled by all kinds of uh, ideological error, I think. And it's fueled by a conviction, an absolute conviction of total moral certainty. And yeah. that's what's scary. Yeah. When people believe they're absolutely morally superior and certain, then, and they're absolutely right, they become like Antifa. Well, the, it is why totalitarianism always ends in massive death. Blood, bloodshed. Because if, if you, you get to a point, I've asked this question from the left and the right. Yeah. Just let's imagine tomorrow you have your way. And yeah. everybody you've elected is in and every, all right. the, you still have 50% of the country that doesn't yeah, that, agree with you. That's right. What are you going to do with them? Well, even, you know, this is, most Marxists won't admit this, but Marx himself said you have to kill them. Uh, there has to be a terror. And they got this idea of the terror from, of course, the French Revolution and the yeah. aftermath. Uh, you know, they said that that is the model. After a revolution, you must go on a terror spree. You must get rid of ideological opponents, and you must get rid of the bourgeoisie if they cling to their bourgeoisie character. Otherwise, you know, if they're willing to convert, then fine. But uh, people for ha are killed for having the wrong thoughts. It's, that's, that's basically what it comes down to. So you're a guy who... You weren't... I mean, you weren't against this stuff, but you didn't think that it was... It, it wouldn't uh, end killing. Yeah, so you, I, you absolutely not. In fact, right, right. I, I was never, you know, I've had friends that were uh, communists that would joke about putting a bullet to the people's heads, you know, and they actually said, if I had my chance, I would do it. And I never chimed in on that. That, that was not my cup of tea. I thought yeah. Yeah, that violates the deepest moral system that I have, the yeah. beliefs that I have, that each person has an absolute right to live and nobody here on earth has a right to take right. that away. So um, one more thing, and then I want to go to, to, to the first thing that it was kind of your, your red line. Yeah. Um, but uh, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, in the opposite direction. Um, uh, you describe yourself as not a, a John Stuart Mill kind of guy. Well, I am now. You are now. Yeah. So because that gives us but life, liberty, and the pursuit right, of and the individual. Right. I'm basically yeah. a classical liberal, okay. uh, a libertarian. So cultural and social libertarian. That is, I believe, people should be allowed to do what they want. Right. As long as they're not infringing on my rights, other right. people's rights. Like, I have no problem. If you want to live as a communist with <laughs> yeah, 10 right. people, yeah. that's fine. And you but, don't have a right. To, uh, but but I have one, a right to get, I have a right to not be a part of that yeah. and, and live my I life. I mean, I started a criticism of Marxism from the standpoint that, you know, the worst thing is politically it's murderous. It's totalitarian. Then second, I got to the point where I understood the economics of it as well and why it's, why it's flawed, deeply flawed. The market has to be there. You have to have a market. You can't have individual rights without the market. Uh, and, so, and also, that you can't have uh, what socialists want most, which is what they would call economic democracy. You can't have that without the market because mm -hmm. without a market, you have no prices. 
And if you have no prices, you have no way of knowing what something's worth to people. Right. And therefore, you have to dictate it. Right. And therefore, it's undemocratic. It's the <laughs> right. opposite of what you've tried to attain. Okay, so let's go to your the first thing that woke you up and said, you know yeah. what, I got it. Yeah, uh, it was a Twitter. It was I'm sorry, it was a Facebook post that I made. It was a joke. Uh, there was a student at the University of Michigan who posted when asked by the university or given the right to to uh, use any pronoun he wanted and to enter it into the system under his profile, chose quote His Majesty. I thought it was hilarious, <laughs> and. Uh, so I posted, I simply posted a link to that article, having, you know, thousands of uh, leftist friends, a lot of trans friends at that time. And the uh, vitriol, the outrage, the hysteria was just unbelievable. Why? They called me everything from a transphobe to a, uh, to committing discursive violence. <laughs> a phrase I will explain later. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> uh, and uh, of treason, uh, you know on and on and on just for posting a link to an article with no comment and i said this is this is unbelievable and then i realized that everybody was everybody was kowtowing to this kind of ideological pressure everybody i knew uh, they were all careful not to say something that would offend this crowd uh this trans crowd and this social justice crowd and they were so scary how many of your friends because you being a professor at nyu yeah living in manhattan right. i've done it i was alone on that island i felt wow uh, i know what that feels like yeah uh, yeah you bet <laughs> i bet you do yeah um how many would you say of your friends are quietly have a couple of glasses of wine and go you know michael don't say this to anybody but i'm with you and oh. how many are diehard, you know, social justice, postmodernist radicals? From the earlier group of friends that I used to have? or Yeah, now? from earlier. Uh, from earlier, now. they were, uh, I would say that it was about 90% socialist, social justice, the whole nine yards. Wow. And about 10% that were reasonable otherwise. You know, it's people that were less uh, enthusiastic, shall we say, about the whole thing. How many of those, if any, are waking up with you? Oh, uh, several. I've actually led some people out of Egypt, if you will. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean to yeah, yeah, no. have any main grandiosity here, but I'm saying a lot of people followed me out of that. And they, they followed Courage my... is contagious. Yes. It really is. It just takes one person to say, yeah. guys, what are you doing? Uh, and, uh, so I saw that, and then I set up the Twitter account. I said, and I had been thinking that there's a lot of things are going wrong here in the left, this identity politics and uh, social justice fanaticism. So I, I set up that Twitter account and started tweeting that, and I did it anonymously. And I called myself the deplorable NYU prof. I did that not as so much as a, a as a sign of a, uh, support of Trump, as a sign of solidarity with the Trump people who were treated so miserably and called, you know, those people holding onto their guns and Bibles, mm -hmm. those people, those flyover state people, mm -hmm who were called the, you know, thrown into the basket of deplorables by Hillary Clinton. I just thought that was a despicable way to talk about people. And I, I just felt that these people, these are the people that are most maligned in our culture. They're the most maligned people in our country. And I thought, I'll call myself by that name because I want to stand with them. How did you, and, and I want you to know, Michael, 
I think we're repeating the Obama years just at volume 10. <laughs> We've just switched places. Yeah. Okay. Perhaps. There are things that the people on the left see about Trump. Right. I have seen about Trump that right. concern me. Right. And, but he's kind of in with my side. And so yeah, uh, we're yeah, not yeah. going to go crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And absolutely. the same thing with, happened with, with Obama. A, yeah. Right. And so we've just switched places. Yeah. And people don't realize none of us should be this afraid of a government <laughs> or a president, no, no matter which side. That's right. That should not be the case. So something's wrong in the whole process, as I think your work is pointing out. Something's so, seriously wrong. Seriously wrong. Um, okay, so you uh, you start your tweets, and you 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 have just awesome tweets. Oh, thank you. Uh, that are very very satisfying. Um, but then you decide to go on the record. That's right. I had a, a NYU student newspaper reporter contact me and said, you know, these tweets are really something else. Uh, are you really an NYU professor? This was through a direct message, and I said yes. And so she asked me if I would sit down for an interview. And I said, yes, I wasn't sure I would go on the record, but I, I would talk to her. So we did that. And after I was done talking to her, I thought, there's, there's really nothing. What I've said here needs to be said. And I actually want to put my name on it, frankly, um, because I think it's, there's, there's nothing objectionable in some, you know, there's nothing fundamentally abhorrent or mm -hmm. deplorable about it. <laughs> it's, right. just, it's just another viewpoint. And right. it's a vantage point I think needs to be aired. And that, that went in the paper. Uh, she took a picture of me laughing, and that made the heresy, you know, somewhat yeah, redoubled. Mm -hmm. uh, and then all hell broke loose on, uh, within my university. Uh, you were called in the middle of a class, were you not? I was called out in the middle of the class by the dean and said, you know, can you come over to see me? He, and I said, sure. <laughs> and I kind of had an idea what it was about. Yeah. Although I was saying that this really is happening. I'm being called uh, in for my political views. <laughs> Think about that a minute. I mean, no, honestly, I have. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I have thought, I mean, because that's, if you're a conservative, if you're a conservative, I've talked to so many people that want to be a professor. Yeah. And oh. they're, they can't. No, they can't. Actually. So, I mean, it, we live this on this yes, side. Yes, I understand. But for you now to see this and you, now it's, now maybe some things are starting to come to you. I'm guessing that you're yes. like, oh, oh, oh crap. Yes. Oh, they came to me right away. And so I go over and uh, he comes up really close to me, but pulls me into the office. I come into the office. He pulls me real close with, by a handshake. You know, Michael, I want you to know this has nothing to do with your Twitter account or the publicity you're getting. I said, oh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sure, sure. And then he said, just after that, but wait, hang on before this. Yeah. You are a well-liked professor well-liked you're i was well-liked yep. students love me my student you know evaluations are very high right. i mean i have done everything you're supposed to do and you were in, liked by your peers up until the, this most of my colleagues like me okay All right. there was a few that didn't that's sure, fine that's, it's yeah. always going to happen right. and i had done everything that an academic is supposed to do published mm -hmm. widely committee work, all that stuff. Yep, yep. I was a good citizen, mm -hmm. okay, <laughs> until I said the wrong thing. Right, <laughs> so, right. Uh, and then he said, no, uh, have a seat, and if you don't mind, I would like the head of human resources to join us. Uh-oh. Right. Yeah. And so he continues by saying, people are worried about you. And I said, really, why? He said, uh, they think that this Twitter account, <laughs> which this has nothing to do with, <laughs> is, represents a cry for help. 
as one of the people put. I said, who said that? And he wouldn't tell me. He said, this is confidential. Somebody in the department said they thought my Twitter account was a cry for help. And, you know, in other words, they were, he was suggesting something was wrong with me mentally, like that I had some sort of a psychological problem. So in other words, I'm being called crazy for my views. It's that simple. And um, then the pressure came, you know, to, to accede to their view. They wanted me to take a leave of absence, get off campus, get out of here. And for my good, for my own good. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. For your own good because it would become unsafe or because... Well, you know, because they said I needed about, the rest. Right. Yeah. Right. So, right. So there. So it's clear. And if you take that, yes. did this occur to you? Yes, it did. Yeah. If you take that, I'm admitting in a That's way right. that I am exhausted and need, yeah, that I need some help. I need rest, and I might correct. need you know some sort of uh, right. I might need therapy, whatever. I might need medicine. I don't know right. whatever they they thought or were trying to insinuate rather. And then, but you uh, took them up on that. Well, I did because there was something else at stake. Okay. That is, I had been up for a promotion to full professor since the previous April. Now we're sitting here in, in September at this point, or October, I guess, by this time. And um, this, this, this promotion was largely dependent upon uh, the upper administration approving me. as, And I needed this, this promotion because... Um, You've worked your whole. I've worked. Yeah, I I needed. I deserved it. Mm -hmm. There was nobody that had done more uh, Mm -hmm. publishing and uh, and so forth in the department. I ran a massive uh, uh, um, conference on secularism (laughs) and brought scholars from all over Mm -hmm. the world. The first conference by this uh, that was ever put up by this department. Mm -hmm. And I needed this this uh, this promotion badly. And I wanted it badly. And I thought that if I didn't, uh, you know, if I didn't go along or acquiesce with what they wanted, that they would, um, you know, that I wouldn't get the promotion, that, that, that I would be, you know, right. Out but of maybe you could, yeah. maybe you could just do this thing and then it would be over and you could come back. Right. And then I, you know, also the promotion would be announced and I'd get it because I, I gave into the demands and all that. But then after I left, you know, I felt very coerced into that. And the, and, the, and the leftists are saying that I lied because they said, you know, and the university later said, you know, all leaves of absence for medical reasons are voluntary. Yes, it was voluntary, but right. they were twisting my arm. You know, yeah, yeah. certainly leftists should understand power differentials. <laughs> Isn't that their thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, so, it is. Um, I, uh, you know, I took, I, I, I said, okay. And then I, I went to my office. They actually had the head of human resources shadow me on the campus for the rest of the day. Like wouldn't leave my side. Wow. As if I was opposing some sort of a threat or somebody might pose a threat to me. I don't know why, but they just suggested that she stay with me while I was on campus. And so she did. And then I got uncomfortable with her and I said, listen, I, I just think you can go. I'm, I'm fine. I'll just, I'm in my office. I said, I'll lock the door, whatever you're worried about. Nothing's going to happen here. So she left and I got a call from the New York post like five minutes later saying, you know, we, we're following this case with great keen interest. And we think, you know, we really support what you're saying and what you're doing. And we think the university's treatment of you is bad, deplorable. And I said, what treatment? Because how, how, how could she know? Well, there was an open letter that had been published in the same newspaper where my interview was published, in which I was denounced really wildly by this committee calling itself the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Group, (laughs) which I've later dubbed 
the conformity, inequity, and exclusion group. <laughs> right. Because they certainly wanted to exclude me. Right. They wanted to, to you know, debunk. They wanted me out. Right. And they, they came out against me in no uncertain terms, basically calling me guilty for the structure of my thought. That is for my, th- you know, for my thinking. Of wrong, they accused me of wrong think, in effect. And um, so she told me about this open letter. And I said, oh, wow. Do you think there's any connection between my Twitter account the interview and this open letter and the leave of absence. And she said, are you kidding? Of course there is. <laughs> so I said, I better, you know, so she convinced me to go on the record. I had to, because I thought if I don't, they could just bury me. I'd be out of there and that would yeah. be, it would be over. Yeah. So I went on the record and they, you know, they accused me of being, you know, media, uh, you know, the university accused me of being sort of like media hungry or something. I was looking for attention. I don't know. I had, I wasn't looking for anything. They were looking for the attention. I was trying to, I didn't have opinions, but, I certainly wasn't looking for this kind of attention. Right. <laughs> so, right. And um, so I, I went on the record and I decided to go on the record and tell them that, uh, you know, tell them what I really, that I, uh, to let them publish the story about this. And they did. So I went on, you know, she asked them questions about what I thought about this and that, and we went out with it. And then it just went viral. The biggest betrayal your friends must have felt was going on Fox. Yes, they did. Oh, they thought that was just unbelievable. And when you went on, what were you expecting? Uh, I was expecting supportive uh, conversation. I didn't expect to be attacked, and they didn't. You know, nobody on Fox attacked me at all. In fact, they were supportive. So if you're being chased and, uh, you know, called a devil and... uh, Mm -hmm. Satan and white pants, Mm -hmm. shirt pants, white boy by these other people. And, and, and this other group is being very friendly and nice and cordial and welcoming and supportive. Where where are you going to go? So it made perfect sense for me to, to talk to that, to Fox and other uh, right-leaning media. And uh, because they, they really having been the victims, if you will, of this very kind of head hunting. Yeah. uh, They understood. Yeah. And that was very nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, I couldn't help but think that I've been with the wrong people for a long time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, in fact, I've had no better friends than I've had since this. I mean, really, really good people. It's amazing, the difference. It's, um, I, I think there's a difference. You know, there's um, some people, not all people, but some people, because they've really been pushed for so long on what they believe, mm-hmm. they've been called all kinds of names. Yeah. You at least for me, when I left Fox, before I went to Fox, I was on CNN. Yeah. I won the most admired man in the world. I was, I was tied for fourth between Nelson Mandela and the Pope. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. That's That's impressive. I tell you. A year later, I wasn't on that list. I was hated by everybody. Okay. I did the same show, did the same show. Um, what happened? Uh, it, the platform was so huge and, um, and, uh, I just, I think I misjudged and I think this tool went into effect. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but you know, I stepped back from that and I went, how does 50% of the country who didn't have a problem with me just a few years ago, right? How are, what is, what have I done? Am I what they think I am? Mm-hmm. I know I'm not you know, the hero that the right thinks I am. I'm not yeah. that guy. Yeah. 
but I'm not that guy either. No, I, I know. And definitely. so you self-reflect. I don't think people on the left for a long time um, have had to self-reflect. Oh, and it's it's amazing to me that we're repeating McCarthyism mm-hmm. in reverse. In reverse, and it's and it's also involving the Russians. <laughs> I mean, every, <laughs> everything's there. All the yeah. players just yeah. taking it. It's the same characters, you know, with different different script. Right. It's really unbelievable. So let me let me take you now into something that I um I think that people on the right have absolutely no clue of what it really means. One of your tweets was uh you know, yeah, father father no no more father daughter dances. Yeah. Yeah, how about this? And what was the person that was <laughs> there was somebody actually it came out of the Google lawsuit with James Demore and this person who identifies as a uh yellow uh wingless dragonfly kin. <laughs> And an ornate building. That's their sexual identity. An ornate building. And an ornate building. So don't don't ask me how this you know sexuality works because it's an ornate uh, building. I don't right. know. <laughs> I'm sure there are some portals there, but I mean, <laughs> right. so, you know. But that's you just that, park that tractor trailer in the back. Those are those are some of the people that work at Google that James Demore, who got you know got fired for expressing the view that there were there was a difference between the genders. Yes. Uh, those are the kind of people, those identities are actually venerated, they're valued, and they're actually observed uh, in, at, the, at that organization. I mean, so you have, to, you have to refer to people as if they are what they say they are. A large ornate building. <laughs> yes. Okay. I, I guess you've been go, described you, as that I, I don't know if you go up and knock on their head or what. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. Okay, so, so okay, let me just, let me, one more, before we back up into all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, were you for the gender thing when you were the transgenderism and all that? I, not I transgenderism. Wanna... The, 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 yeah, the, the whole, everything is fluid. There's 183. No. It, 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 it was disturbing to me from the beginning to tell you the truth. But you didn't, didn't say I, anything, I didn't say about, anything it or... about it. I figured it was like, there were, there were some touch, you know, touchy subjects on the left that you didn't go after Yeah, you, because you'd just be, you'd just be vilified instantly right. i mean right. you know you're just a, you're, but you didn't buy into it i didn't buy into it at all i but i didn't touch it okay you know i was you know you'd be just vilified for being who you are and you're only saying that because you are a cis gen a cis hetero male you know cis means yeah yeah this is the word they made up for other than trans it's right. the non-glorious category right uh right. So yeah, you just—I knew that the, you didn't touch these things unless you wanted all uh, all this fury to come at you. So I've I've written a book called um, "Addicted to Outrage." I saw I know that. Um, and addict, the, we know the addiction is happening. I mean, the, these yeah. companies are designing those, mm-hmm. you know, um, those apps to be addicted. Right. Then we're on top of that. We're yelling at each other, calling each other names, which shuts down all thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, people are afraid. On both sides. Yes. Which shuts down all thinking. Yes. We're becoming very tribal. Right. We have this when somebody says something, we now can say it back twice as loud, right. which is very addicting. Right. Um, and when I found postmodernism hmm. about two years ago, I started going, whoa, 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 wait, what? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. it, as a conservative. Yeah. You don't know all this crap. Yeah. I mean, and you don't not, know, you, you, you just hear these words and you're like, what the hell does that mean? Where did that come from? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Right. And it's really well thought out. And when you understand the 
the um, original birth and point of postmodernism, mm-hmm. um, you realize. I mean, I cannot find a reason that that isn't just 100% destructive. I mean, that's mm. its point. Yes, right? it is its point. It's, and, and its so point if, is destruction. Right. And so if we, are, if we are ramping it back up on our side, yeah. it doesn't leave a place for anyone like you or like me that goes, I don't want to be with either of those people. Exactly. Right. Oh, that's right. That's true. Uh, let me give you a little, a very short little me- metaphorical way of understanding the difference between, say, postmodernism and Marxism, okay? okay. If, if Marxism is about blowing up the house and, to, and you know, raising it to the, to the ground, postmodernism is about putting a few little termites here and there in the, mm-hmm. in the walls and watch the house get eaten up slowly until it finally collapses out of its, under its own weight. So the point being that Marxism was about overthrowing everything, overthrowing the whole social order, overthrowing capitalism, overthrowing the ruling class. No, no. Postmodernism said that can't be done because the, you can't tackle the totality of the world. Right. You can only do these little subversive things uh, uh, one at a time here and there, and that we'll work on it. We'll work on the system in a different way. Okay. So please. Um I know uh, I could tell you everything you, there is to know about progressivism early 20th century. Sure. I've, yeah. I've studied it. Yeah. Um, so correct. Let me lay this out and you correct me where I, where I don't have it. And I, okay. I'm wrong. That's okay? fine. Yeah. And then we'll, and then we'll, you can fill in all of the gaps. Okay. Um, the turn of the century, uh, the American system is not moving fast enough. We have science, we have eugenics, we have all these things, bright horizon. Yeah. Okay? And because, you know, um, a republic is plodding and ugly and, mm-hmm. you know, it just doesn't move fast. Yeah. The idea is if we just put an authoritarian in, now this is before any of that's bad. Yeah. We put some strong leader in. Yeah. He'll be able to lead us and he'll, the state will be able to say, no, we have to make this, we have to make this, right, we have to right, do this, right. and it's all going to, because we're working together. Right. Correct? Right. There's the utopian early 1900s. Yeah, that's version. right. Okay. Then revolution happens in Russia. Yeah. And the progressives have been arguing in the West, they want communism or fascism. Right. I think this is right before fascism that's really right. starts, right? They were eugenicists too. Right. Right. Yeah. And they want to create this utopian world. That's right. And there's no negative on it at this point. That's right. Okay. So they're, they're moving towards that, but they see the revolution and, and the West says, we don't want a bloody revolution. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. We don't want to do yeah. that. Right. But we want this. So we we'll, want the object though. Right. So yeah. we want to, we will just take progressive steps. Mm-hmm. At what point does the postmodern, um, theory of let's add some termite let's speed this up yeah that, at what that, point does that come that in? happens in 1968 in france it's a result the way to understand the birth of postmodernism is this it is a philosophical and social cultural response to the failure of the 1968 student rebellion in france mm. the student rebellion uh, it also involved, you know, union workers from from mm-hmm. public uh, from publicly held uh, 
organizations or companies, you know, like the, the railroads, mm-hmm. uh, the subways and all that. It, and the students and these workers, they were on the verge, they thought, of overthrowing capitalism in France and therefore throughout Europe and therefore perhaps after that in the United States. And it failed. It, it did not end in a revolution. It ended in, in anarchy. Nothing took place. They didn't overthrow the state. Nothing. Can you stop there for a second yeah. and back up? Tell me the significance of the Frankfurt School meeting in 1959. Well, the Frankfurt School is another, I would call them neo-Marxists. Okay. Uh, they're a different uh, breed. They're coming out of Germany. They left uh, Nazi Germany just in the beginning in like 33 uh, after Hitler comes to power, and uh, they realize they're in bad shape if they stay. They're intellectuals. Right. They're Jewish, right? And uh, they're they're they'd be on the the hunt list right away, right? Uh, so they escape to the United States, and uh, they set up at Columbia actually first, right? And then out in Berkeley, um, they mostly are they're just theorists. They're not they're theorists, but they're they're not theorists who are going to be. Uh, they're not the kind of theory that you read and say, let's put this into practice. Mm-hmm. They're rather theorists uh, who say, basically, let's just keep it theoretical, frankly. Mm. Uh, but that's not the case with what happens after the 1968 uh, failure of the 1968 rebellion. Okay. As a matter of fact, Hork, um, Adorno, Theodore Adorno, who's one of the major players in, the, um, in that, uh, that movement, the, the uh, Frankfurt School, he, he was appalled by the 1968 uh, student rebellion, which spread to Germany as well. Mm-hmm. He was totally appalled by it. He thought it was hor- horrific. He, it reminded him of fascism. How do you like that? Okay, so hang on. Let, let's yeah. stop in 1968, because yeah. uh, I think everybody knows 1968 in America, horrible. Yeah. RFK, right. Martin Luther King, I think Malcolm X in the same year. Yeah. Um, we have the same year we're doing the moonshot. Yeah. That same summer is Woodstock and I think Altamont. Yeah, was perhaps. Not? I'm not sure about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, one of them was in 68. I think it might have been Altamont. Um, and it, I'd love to hear your theory of why it falls apart here. Mm-hmm. You know, this is when the Beatles come out with Revolution and yeah. their answer saying, Don't. I'm not doing that. Yes. We're not joining right. you. Um, and so the whole thing kind of falls apart here. Mm-hmm. How much of that is connected? America 1968 to Paris 1968. Very much so, yeah. The same mu- kind it, of people it's, it's, or, or actual connections? Uh, it's the same kind of people in the same spirit. You know, the, the yeah. movement, it's not necessarily like, there's no tactical connections that much. Right. But it's the, they're in the same spirit of a kind of cultural revolution uh, that we had here, of course, but a cultural revolution that they also wanted to become political. And... It didn't happen, so postmodernism was born as a response to that. And how was it born? Who started it? What? Uh, it started this way. Um, and so they're, even though they were moving away from Marxism as such, they, all, they did incorporate some techniques from Maoism. Uh, people were, feminists were sitting around reading Mao's red book and <laughs> in France, and they didn't know about the horrors that were happening there. Okay. They just thought this is the way to go. A cultural revolution, you know, we, we can, you know, have a full communism, a total communistic revolution, culturally, socially, politically, and, and every other way, I'm so, economically. I, I'm well. so riddled with ADD. I'm sorry to pull you that's, off again. That's, that's but right, but uh, how do people still, Marxists and communists, how do they still not see every time it's tried and then just draw the conclusion that 
you're going to have a great number of people that don't want to do it. We joke about this, friends of mine. Now it's it's always next time, next time it's going to be right. Next time it'll be right. Next time we won't do that. You know. So they say that you know there was mistakes made or that wasn't really socialism. That's the other way they usually go. That was actually state capitalism. Blah blah blah. So they have every type of excuse. Instead of seeing that when you run an experiment X amount of times and the result is the same no matter where it's run. So it can't yeah. be blamed on the people right. and their regional differences or peculiarities. Right. It's got to be on the system that's being implemented. Yeah. And it, it ends the same way every time. Pol Pot, uh, you know, Mao, Stalin. It happens I'm sorry, every, but I put, I, put Rouge. I put Hitler in. I know there's a difference, but to me, it is a difference of how much the state actually owns and uh and uh and and uh and if it's international or national but i mean those are those are both the same idea it's socialism there's it is national there is one other difference though and that is the type of people that are deemed villains or vilified and the reason they're vilified in in the case of uh nazism the difference is that the nazis and hitler is of course the main agent here they see the the enemy to the state in terms of race mm-hmm. whereas in the soviet union and uh communist china and uh vietnam north vietnam etc cetera, etc cetera, they see the enemy of the state in terms of ideology so because putatively people can change their ideology you're not trapped Right. Okay. Like you are in the cases of race, where you can't get out of your racial Communism, identity. Communism, though, does. I mean, Marxism. Although George Soros did. Yeah. Marxism. Marxism, though, does. It does carry with it a lot of anti-Semitism. It does, indeed. I mean, it's usually, usually when you start to hear anti-Semitic things, that's the first. Uh, you know, the, the left is riddled with this. This yeah. happened in the Labour Party in England is going uh, in Great Britain is going through this right now too. I mean, there's the the this anti-Semitism on the left is just viral over right. there. Okay, so, yeah, that's true. All right, so 1968. 68. So what happens is these theorists say, okay, so you can't overthrow the totality. This, this, let's go at it in a different way. In effect. Let's attack the, the character of language. Language is the big power structure now. So deconstruction is born. Jacques Derrida, he's a philosopher. He says that there is nothing outside of text. Okay? <laughs> he says this in his book of grammatology in 1968. There is nothing outside. There is no outside of text. Is, is Meaning the big, those words are the words and, and... What he's saying is this that language doesn't have any real connection to anything but itself. So this is, I, I've, I'm sorry, this, I mean, you may not even know this reference. I read Saul Kripke. Okay. And he, and he basically, a wheel is a wheel because we call it a wheel. And that's, yeah, that, that, that's part of it. Yeah. The arbitrary okay. nature of language, yeah, right? Okay. That every word is arbitrary. For example, tree has no relation to the plant. Right. Tree. Right. We call it and tree. It, and some of that makes, I mean, when you think of the wheel is the wheel because we call it a wheel. Yeah. It, it it I've always used that as an understanding of handy capable. You you yeah. can you could call them Superman. Yeah, but that's in right. one generation, it's go, you're going to think, well, I have to build a ramp for Superman. That's right. So it it it, the, yeah. it doesn't matter what word you attach. That's to. right. It doesn't matter. But from that, he decides the idea is that all you know, philosophy, all of Western philosophy, all of Western thought, he thinks, is invalidated by the idea that. These words that are supposedly connected to real things are not. 
connected to real things at all. And so the whole of Western society and Western philosophy is it's just bogus. like, is bogus. Okay. And, uh, it's different from the Christian notion or the Judeo Christian notion that in the beginning was, there was the word. Mm -hmm. Okay. In the sense that the word is, is God. Yes. Okay. So there is an ontological connection and ontology means on the register of being, whether something exists or not, there is an ontological connection between the word and Logos. God. Yes. Right. Yes. It's inherent. It right. is yes. identified with. Yes. Okay. So here in this case, language is broken off from the world. And, but they also that suggest there's nothing but language, nothing but language. That's it. That everything is text. <laughs> yes. That's how far they went with this. And therefore, they say, if we really want to subvert society, we've got to subvert it textually. We've got to subvert it through textual politics. Okay, so um, let me go back in time. 1920, Harvard, I think, is the first one that starts to say, forget reading the Constitution. Harvard's the first one that uh, takes up deconstruction. Right. In, in, in the 70s. 70s. Okay, but early I, 70s. Let me, go, let me go back to the 20s here for a second. Okay. They're saying, um, you know, in law school, don't study the Constitution. We're going to do case law. And they start yeah. to study case law, which yeah. gets us away from the text. Yeah. You also, in the 20s, start to have people rewriting history books. But yeah. this is this, this is, is entirely this different. Is, this is different. And I, did we say Harvard? It's Yale. Is it Yale? It's okay. Yale yeah, that takes uh, takes up the construction first. Okay. And you know, here's an interesting story. Sitting on the tarmac after they landed in the United States in Boston, Derrida and his co-conspirator of deconstructionism said to each. They said to each other. One of them said to the other, "You know, we're about to unleash a virus on this culture." And that's exactly how they saw it. They saw it as a virus that would, that would eat at the very foundations of all of our cultural values. Well, it's, and that's exactly what they it did. I think that's what people are feeling now, but they don't understand they, they, it. They don't realize this is where it came. This right. virus was unleashed on us and has worked its way into the entire body politic. And it's, it's undermined all of our ontological beliefs. And this is where all of this crazy stuff about gender and, and gender differences and non-binariness and all this right. that has nothing to do with biology. This is where it came from. So I had, I had somebody who was a lefty, but reasonable, um, say, <laughs> um, you know, postmodernism is really dangerous, um, you know, but it has its place in, for instance, um, the literary realm. Yeah. But as I understand it, and please yeah. help me understand this, yeah. as I understand it, what postmodernism gives you license to do is to go up and say, well, this is what this word means. I don't care what it meant back then. Yeah. This is what it means. So you can basically deconstruct and reconstruct yeah. any story well, out of its time. Is that right or wrong? Well, the, what it really is is that... that and that, if this that, isn't important, we no, can No, this on. is important. Okay. Because the thing is about, about the idea that it's valuable in literature, that's a good point. But they believe they're undertaking politics through literature. Right. That this is all lit this is all political. Right. Everything is political. And all texts are political. Correct. The novel the novel is political. You can see the gender constructions here. You can see the you can see the patriarchy here. You can see the colonialism here. You can see all this right. literature now is not read for this the aesthetic value anymore. Right. It's read for the political valences correct. that it supposedly contains. And deconstruction is like is a way of saying let's expose the way Western culture has been setting up this hegemony 
over all of over all these people. Let's expose it through deconstruction. Let's take these texts and take them apart and show how, in fact, they're kind of they're trying to make me the other. They're trying to demote these people, that people, the other people, things like that. So that's it's it's it is it is it is something that they, they you know that was used in literature. But literature studies now, literary studies, was not deemed anything but political work, a cultural politics. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Um, Again, help me in this. I got to go back to Frankfurt because the Frankfurt School in '59, they're they're kind of I could be wrong. Um, they're kind of seeing the post World War, yeah, or the post War world, and yeah. they're saying these guys are not going to stand up and be. A, they're not going to. They're they're they are driving those huge cars with big fins mm -hmm. and yeah, they're just not right. going to do that's it. That's right. Right. That's right. That's, right. that's and, exactly right. And they so they said the working class is not do is not the agent that Marx said they were right. They weren't it. They weren't going to be the ones to do it. And so then they come to this understanding that, and I don't know how much of this they actually believed or how much they just thought this was a working uh, way to get around it was, it's because they don't even know. They're, it's almost like they're hypnotized by yeah. all this. They yeah. don't even know they're oppressed. That's right. Well, one of the things is that, you know, they've been bought off by consumerism right. is one of the things. Also, they have been, um, they've been du duped and completely sort of drugged by the culture industry, right. as they put it. Right. The culture industry has inculcated their minds with r capitalist ideology. Right. Um, that's what uh, Horkheimer and uh, Adorno said in their essay, The Culture Industry, Enlightenment as Mass Deception. And in, <laughs> and in some ways, though, I mean, if you, if you read, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, uh, the, the, the guy who really came up with propaganda under Wilson. Oh, what was his name? Um, anyway, now known as the greatest advertising man. Oh, yes. Okay, um, I know who you're referring to, but the name is, is yeah, also he, eluding he, me. He had women, you know, with the cigarettes and the Statue yeah, yeah, of Liberty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yes. and Okay. So in some ways, the left is the one who created this way through Freud of, of actually indoctrinating us. Yeah. And it is happening now. Culture oh, is steering it. We're not steering culture. It's not a reflection. No. It is Everything is, yeah, politics as we now see it, we know this now. We see it, we're living this. Politics is so far downstream from culture. It's, oh my gosh. It's, it's impossible. It's the, not, it yeah. is the beginning of the poop coming out of the dog. <laughs> that's right. Not even and the so nose. That's, or that's the, what, we're, that's what yeah. we're experiencing here. And this is where this whole, this whole, let's, I call them the robotic left. I call them the histrionic left. Right. I call them the, you know, the resistance. I call them. A lot of names. <laughs> anyway, I, I saw in the the Kavanaugh hearings. Um, uh, no, it was actually uh, somebody else during that week. There was a, a, a disruption on a campus in a class mm -hmm. where these people came in, and one person was shouting, and everybody else was shouting back. Right, that's right. And I thought this is a. Uh, I mean, almost what they accused the Catholic Church of doing all those years. Of, Absolutely, you're just. You're just garbage in, garbage out. You're just right. repeating it. This, is, this has been one of my major complaints, you know, is to say what's happened to academia with the left and their, their, their just robotic repeating of mantras, right. political mantras. Right. Like, uh, you know, it started, I guess, at Stanford when, when they had the chant to get rid of uh, Western Civ. And that, they didn't mean the whole of Western civilization. Yeah. They meant a course called Western Civ. Hey, ho, Western Civ has got to go, you know. Now that chant, hey, ho, Western Civ has got to go, 
that became not the not the course, but Western civilization itself yeah. has got to go, and that's yeah. been really the object here. They want to get rid of Western civilization entirely. So tell me, explain how, because I don't think people really get this. They hear, people who are conservative especially, hear postmodernism, and they don't even know what it means. Yeah. But if you, if, if you don't understand that it is the modern world is the world created by the Enlightenment. Yes. And the Enlightenment right. took us out of the Dark Ages. That's right. This is why anything that stands to prop Western civilization up is uh, needs to be destroyed. Dis and that's dismantled. why you, that's yes. why you can say mathematics yes. is racist. You say mathematics is racist, that it's, it's patriarchal, it's phallic, right. it's white supremacist. And you say that because if you convince enough people, then you reject math. And if you reject math, you got nothing. Yeah. Well, this is, you know, you, you're hitting a, a very big point here is that postmodernism is anti-enlightenment. It has always been against the enlightenment. It considers the enlightenment a means of, uh, of rationality used for power and domination over others. Okay. That's the big sin of enlightenment. People use science as a tool to oppress. Right. And that's why science is no good. Well, in some ways, eugenics it, it didn't necessarily start that way, but it no. certainly ended that way. I mean, some, way. some, you, yeah, eugenics, you I, I would call eugenics more a social uh, experiment, you, you know, that draws from science. It's not yeah. sick, strictly, you know, genetics is the science. Right. Uh, eugenics is the social project that uses science, but yeah. Right. Uh, let's, let's go to social media. Social media can be used to oppress, but that's, you yeah. know, it's. Uh, 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 there's nothing intrinsic about no. rationality that oppresses anyone just right. like language that's the other thing another phrase that postmodernists threw around was this thing called what they called logocentrism <laughs> and what they meant logocentrism which means a centering centering on the word and it was the idea was language is, is a form of domination over people okay <laughs> that's why deconstruction comes in because yeah. it wants to undo that domination right. by la of language so you, if you were to ask me what then is postmodernism, Michael, I would say it is a, a toolkit for dismantling all power structures without bombing the building. Right. Beyond, it's a, almost a, it's a, it's a neutron bomb yeah. of logic and reason and anything Against those, yes. Yeah, against those. Yes. Anything standing. That, anything anything that, standing. Anything, yeah. anything established is bad. Yeah. Anything established is bad. Any types of organization, structural hierarchies, anything like that is bad, 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 just by virtue of existing. And, I mean, you know, colonialism, everything, and everything is the white man's fault. I mean, everything. We're the only evil, the only evil that's ever been done on Earth has been done by white men. Did you know that? Europeans and Western, Western other Westerners. That's it. There's never been colonialism by others. There's never been race. There's never been. I mean, unless you study history. Yes, unless you study, which they don't do. Yeah, right. They have a, a, a cartoon version of history that mm -hmm. they, they follow. And you can't even, if you say something like, did you know that there's still <laughs> slavery going on today and that it's being undertaken by uh, Islamists mm -hmm. over people that are actually black? Did you know mm -hmm. that's happening and that this is not uh, this is not the white man that's doing this today. In fact, the only people that ever ended slavery in history well, are European, were, based on, were Eurocentric, if you will, or Euro-based. Euro 
So isn't that interesting? But if you say that, they're just going to say, you're just saying that because you are one of them and you're one of the oppressors. So even saying that is a form of violence. In the 90s, when we started first to become politically correct, mm-hmm. you know, I, I knew control the language, win the argument, yes. you know. Right. Um, but there's something in humans, maybe it's, you know, Americans, or I think it's all of us, I don't know, um, that I don't want to hurt your feelings. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. I want to get along with you. Right. So if you want to be called this, you want this to happen, I don't care. I don't mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't force me mm-hmm. to do it. Right. Right. So political correctness, this kind of creeped up on us because mm-hmm. it played to our heart. Yes. Right. Right. Um, but this is not political correctness that we're seeing now. I mean, unless you emphasize political. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. If you're in line and you're correct right. with the political power. Right. You're fine. But now there comes a big penalty. To oh, it. yeah. And it seems every day, I think the, I think the enemy of civilization is obviously chaos Mm -hmm. and people feel that they are surrounded by chaos because you get up every day and there's a new term that you'll be crucified for (laughs) if you don't use use today, even though yesterday it was fine. It was a different term. Yeah. Like literally that fast. It's that fast. And and so there's lots of people who have never heard any of these terms. They don't have any idea the source of where this stuff is coming from. They're like, who's yes. doing this? Who's in control? What right. is this? I know. It's incredible. I Even in the, while I was amongst the left, in the left, I saw these terms coming up all the time. And I was, I was like, what is going on here? Somebody said, well, you're as a cis hetero male, you dot, 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 dot. And I'm like, what is this? You know, and did I, you know the term? No, cis? I had no idea. We, it, it, I think this was about 2015 or 14 when this term first surfaced in, in my consciousness, and then I found out it was something bad to be, <laughs> <laughs> and, and what it meant was somebody who accepts the gender they were assigned at birth. I didn't know I was assigned a gender, and they mean socially assigned. They don't mean assigned by your chromosomes. They mm-hmm. mean assigned by the social order. When you come out looking like this or that, that you were assigned right. to a gender. Well, I know you know um, Brett Weinstein. Yes, I do. And, I mean, he's an evolutionary scientist, and that's right. why he got in trouble. He's like, no, I, I'm a scientist, man. Yeah. You, yeah. Can't, you don't just assign. It, it, it's yeah. assigned by science. <laughs> it's assigned by the chromosomes, right, actually. Right, You know, by whether you have XX or XY. Right. I mean, there are some anomalies, of course. Yes. That are XXY or XYY, but, you know, the, gr- the great majority fall at the poles at the binary end, right. you know? So those kind of terms, you know, they, so they were subverting ontologies again, right? Ontologies, that's enti- the beings, you know, established entities in, in, in the social order by right. virtue of language. Here we go again. See how language is working to undercut right. social certainties of all types. So tell me, because this is an argument that I had with my daughter. She went to Fordham. 
Mm. Uh, yeah. Fordham is a Catholic social justice university. Oh, my. Uh, well, she was taught by the Jesuits there that uh, the Bible is nonsense and that, uh, I mean, it was, wow. it was crazy. And sh- she was taught that in Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, that sodomy was just a greeting. It wasn't a bad thing. It's how you greeted people. And I'm like, wow, that's quite an aggressive greeting, <laughs> you know? <laughs> hey! I don't even want to... <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to... So, but she had, it took me, it took me almost three or four years to get my relationship back on track with my daughter after this indoctrination Mm -hmm. because she wouldn't even talk about it with me. Mm -hmm. I would be like, okay, okay, wait, okay, let's just, let's think here for a second. Yeah. And there is this, um, there's this underlying thing that if, if you don't know then you're part of the problem. <laughs> That's right. And um, and the the professor or whoever is at the top of the ladder here knows. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the students they are told you don't even have to talk about it. You don't have yeah. to. They just won't ever get it. Right. And some of it is such nonsense. It's insane that I think that the weaker will won't even want to talk about it because. That you start to think about it and it all right. falls apart. What, what, the reason why your daughter's not talking to you about it and not even soliciting your view is because you're, you're going to try to think about it using rationality. Correct. And rationality has been, it's been Debunked. banished from the start. Right. A priori, that's out. So, you know, terms like, you, you want to talk about some terms like intersectionality. Don't even know what that means. Okay, I, I can explain that one for you. Okay. Intersectionality was, well, actually came, uh, was derived uh, or uh, I guess inaugurated by a, a law, a legal uh, person, a legal, a lawyer, a feminist lawyer who said that, uh, it wasn't satisfactory to call somebody just, you know, to, to, to refer somebody as black or as a woman or as, you know, some other marginalized, supposedly subordinated yeah. type. There are, it's called intersectionality because there's the vectors of power intersect people in different ways and there are more than one vector of power there's racial sexual gender um, so being a white i am i am uh, being a white male who is heterosexual yeah i am the top of the power yeah, yeah chain. You, you have no power vectors right. intersecting over you. you're not being subordinated by any of these vectors and even if because i'm conservative yeah that says well you're you have the hierarchy and yeah, you're trying to keep things that's right because i'm christian or faith believer especially yeah. really christian yeah well the christians have dominated everything so right. i have no in, i've nothing not, you got, you got so because, I'm, I'm intersecting because, everyone because else you're at the top you're right. at the bottom. I'll get into that in a okay. minute. Okay. <laughs> Being at the top is not where you want to be in right. this inter- in this social Correct. justice realm. Right. This is the worst place to be, right? Because they're going to flip the hierarchy. That the whole thing is an inversion. They want to invert the hierarchy, basically. Anyway, has anybody talked? And you talk about inverting. I mean, this is something that we is it's beyond politically correct to talk about. The Judeo Christian world has done a whole bunch of bad things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah. it's like Winston Churchill. And Gandhi, yeah, same time against each other. Both seem to be a little racist, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, both said some crazy things. You look at Churchill in in the Western point of view; he's great. You learn about Churchill, what he did in India, not yeah. so great. Yeah, we're all of it. We're both good and bad. Yeah. It's which direction are we going? Are we yeah. getting better or not? Right. And also, wh- how? What were the founding principles? Are they good or not? Right. Yeah. So 
when you look at the Judeo-Christian world, it has been really modeled around two guys, Moses and Jesus. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anybody that would say, you know, if, uh, you know, I'm, I'm alone in a, in a very white neighborhood, but it's a dangerous, you know, the, the cisgender neighborhood is, <laughs> you know. Um, I don't feel safe. As and they would you, say. you don't feel safe. Yeah. Um, and it's in the middle of the night, your car broke down, you're changing your tire, and you see all these white guys, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah. you know, obviously, uh, and they're coming at you at night. Would you feel better or not at all if you knew that they were coming from a, a, a church choir practice or mm-hmm. a, a Bible study group? Mm-hmm. Would that ease your mind? Most people would say yes. Yes. But they'll say no. Right. Right. Okay. Who's replacing? You've taken, you're taking our pinnacle of Jesus of be good to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Mm-hmm. Help the poor. Do unto others. Right. We're taking that away. Right. Who are we replacing that with? Mm. We're, well, we're replacing it with this, with this ideology that says Christianity has been part of the dominant culture. It has been right. the hegemonic religion. Right. The people that are Christian have been, as you said, the hegemonic people. Right. They're, they're mostly white or they're mostly, and they're mostly, you know. European. And, and you're European yeah. and it's yeah, men yeah. and all that. So. And, and you can't argue against they that. Don't say, bad they stuff. don't say do unto others as you would have them do unto you. They, they say do unto others as they've done unto you. Right. So that they won't do it again. So theirs is a vindictive religious belief right. system. And it's, about, and it's about taking the hierarchy in, on which men are putatively on top, white men in particular, and it goes down this scale to the subordinated, the most subordinated, you know, you'd get uh, African-Americans or Africans or blacks, and you'd get women, you'd get trans people, everybody. And those people, it's not about equalizing everything, even though they say they're for equality. It's about flipping that hierarchy so that those who... You're punishing the... The the punished get to punish. Punishment has to happen. It has to happen. It's very much like the, you know, the terror. So... How does the mind work when it comes to, for instance, um, I think there's a difference between Islam and an Islamist. Mm-hmm. An Islamist wants that state control. That's they a want political Sharia. ideology. Yes, correct. And yeah. it's very dangerous. Right. You see the left embrace Islamists. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, how does... Or they say that if you criticize them you're a islamophobic yeah. correct right so it, it, at, at worst they say don't look here okay right how do how do you how does an intelligent person get to that point what yeah. what is the what's the there's, there's a couple there? factors okay so one of the main things that has been inaugurated by the left is cultural relativism uh, and cultural relativism also brings with it a moral relativism but the main thing about cultural relativism is that you can't, from your, from your culture, you're not allowed to criticize people of another culture because you're, in, you're, you're suggesting that your culture is better than theirs, and that's... So when I meet, I, and this actually happened, I met, I asked for a meeting with people of GLAD. This is when the height of uh, Ahmadinejad throwing people off the building, you know, gay people off yeah, buildings, yeah. torturing them, killing yeah. them, 
uh, Russia is starting to take driver's license away and, and absconding people at night and they're never seen again because they're homosexual. You can say, well, their culture is different, so I can't comment. Yeah. But we all know yeah. killing is someone because they're homosexual yeah. is a no-go zone. Yeah. How come they, they won't make that step? Well, there's another aspect to it. Not just the relativism. The other thing is the enemy of my enemy is, is my, my friend. friend. And you're there. You, they are the enemy of you know Western, Western civilization. Okay. Yeah. All right. So intersectionality is how many times? That's why. And basically, how many? Yeah. How many power vectors are intersecting you and subordinating you? And does that give you the hierarchy? Once you have more vectors, the lower you are, the mm-hmm. higher you are. Right. This is why there's a race to the bottom in the oppression Olympics, as it's called, uh, right. rather derogatorily. You want to rush to the bottom because when by the time you get there. You're going to be, be on, on top. top. Okay. Yeah. What are the other words that we need to really understand? Uh, okay. Well, one of them we mentioned already, cis. Yeah. We talked about that. That's, a, you know, accepting the, the gender you were quote unquote assigned and at that birth. Is, that's a termite word. Yeah. Right. To take away all understanding of gender, because if you do, what happens? What is their, what is their ultimate goal here by taking away and confusing all gender? Yeah. How does that affect us? Oh, <laughs> well, it undermines many of the basic structures of the social order, like the family. Right. I mean, that's the object here, by the way, is to get rid of the family. Uh, that's one of the main objects. Why? Because the family is a source of power in itself, and it's a source of cohesion they don't want to exist. There, there, are, there are forces here that want to get rid of any kinds of any kinds of uh, organizational he- adhesions or groups of, of solidarity or com- you know cohesion that, that 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 take power away from the state or that take power away from other forces outside of the state and cultural you know cultural power and cultural politics too. So the family's got to get rid of got you know, to get to undermine gender is to undermine the family. There's no question about it. Michael, I, I mean, I, I, I hate to use this language because it's so condemning um, and, you know, it, it pits us against each other. But I have, I have honestly thought, like, for instance, progressivism, I can look and say, okay, I understand that we have a difference of opinion of either the welfare state on yeah. how big it should be sure. or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's, that's Progressive tax systems. Right. Yeah. So... I get that, and I disagree with the way it's done, et cetera, et cetera. But postmodernism, I cannot. the The first word that comes to mind when I hear when I when I read it, hear about it, or anything, yeah, is it's just evil. There's no, I don't know of any other <laughs> no, thing no, no, that it's... is just pure poison. It's evil to to a system. It's evil, and social justice is the practical. Is practical postmodernism. You, what I, you write in your book that postmodernism is dead. It's theori- the, the high theory era of postmodernism is dead. That was the, the, the era in which people were theorizing all these things. Now, this is the era is of action. practical, yes. pragmatic postmodernism. And so social justice is the practical. So social justice is practical postmodern theory. Is there postmodern theory reduced and put in a kind of cartoon version too? It's it's definitely been dumbed down, 
and but that's what has to happen when you want to you yeah, know when you want mass. to proliferate something across the whole mass of humanity you know do you believe there is good social justice no um, not see that's a word that sounds good and this is one of the tricks of the left is to use abstractions that sound wonderful and how could you possibly not want that right well there's no meaning to it at all intrinsically so to speak there's been a lot of different versions of social justice right. over time i mean catholics will say that that's one of our in fact it was founded by a catholic right the phrase was founded by luigi Taparelli in 1841 when his when he wrote a massive uh uh tome about uh catholic social justice he, he, and the difference being the difference is it was conservative and the, this is here's the case of cultural appropriation by the socialists and the left of a term that was actually a conservative term in the beginning. It was about establishing a kind of uh, charity between people. It was a, a way of mitigating the difficulties that came with laissez-faire capitalism and the right. beginning of the industrial but it was revolution. Individual. It was all based on individuals or, so, uh, and small groups undertaking charity to try to mitigate the, diff, the, the you know the the hardships of people on the bottom but not not about equal not about right. e equating them or making a, a equality in real time and real fat, uh, life so there is a i'm trying to remember what the theology is in it started in south america it was liberation the liberation theology. theology yeah the the president uh, president obama used to talk about this yes. um that it is um, that there is, that social justice is required because there is no individual salvation if we're not all working. Wow, this is scary. It's funny because it's, social justice was about individual salvation and individuals helping other individuals. Right. Okay. He believed that charity was a part of human nature, and and social justice was just a way of 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 talking about how human nature should be tapped how. Uh, human nature should be understood so that we could act properly towards our neighbors. That, that's really what it was. But it got hijacked by even within the Catholic Church. They hijacked it and turned it into socialism, in effect. Liberate, uh, liberation theology is, 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 is socialism with holy water sprinkled on it. That's yeah. all it is. What, if you could... Um look at the future and nobody can nobody knows yeah. what tomorrow is going to hold but if we don't change course mm -hmm. what does our future look like near future even scary what's coming it's scary i mean it scares me to think that children are being indoctrinated for lack of a better term and i don't think it's really overstating it either into this system of practical postmodernism or social justice from kindergarten up. I mean, this is, and they're being told that this undermining of all of these social ontologies like gender, like uh, the family, are that that is good. This is the good. That it's good to be like this and it's evil to oppose it. What do you do if you're, my, my granddaughter just started kindergarten. What do you do? I, I have to tell you that I, I pull them out of every public school and most private ones as well. I'd, I'd be very, very careful where I send my kids. If I sent them anywhere outside of the house for education, 
I'm not, I was never believed that I would be somebody saying homeschooling might be the best option, but I'm starting to think, yes, it might be the only option. If you don't want to end up with a kid who tells, who comes home one day as somebody else, uh, because they're being encouraged to get rid of these identities. What are the warning signs that most people won't know? What is, what's like buzz language that, uh, yeah, you'll hear, uh, people talking about, um, the female brain. You'll hear people talking about, uh, the, um, you know, you'll hear the terms that we've talked about you'll hear people talking about transitioning. If they hear, if you hear a child come home say, Oh, my friend in school is in trans. We had a transition party for my friend. This means this is a party of, of celebrating their transition from one gender to the other. This happened in California just recently in August. started off saying you were a libertarian communist right i cannot get my arms around <laughs> well, that. a lot of people say that's an oxymoron right you know? there can't how, be such a thing how does well, that work it, it was a there was a movement uh when people recognized what the bolsheviks did you know when they started the terror right after the revolution there was no delay till stalin you know right lenin started killing people right away right they even killed workers who workers who had the right audacity to go on strike were murdered you know, and people were sent to uh, Gulag. Now the concentration camp came later. I'm sorry, the Gulag came later. There were the concentration camp came mm-hmm. first, and the Nazis, by the way, got their idea for the concentration camp from the Soviets. I don't think people realize this. No. Anyway, um, there was a movement that said this that, that the Bolsheviks went wrong already, right early. You know mm-hmm. that they became authoritarian. They impose their party value over everybody instead of being democratic. And so libertarian or but left. That's already, I mean, we are living in a Bolshevik time here in America, are we not? Yes, I, I mean, mean the, we do. We're seeing that, that if they take control, you will toe the line oh, yeah. or they'll, be dest- they'll destroy you. Yeah. You know, and they don't maybe shoot you in the back of the head, yeah, but, but they'll if, destroy you, you. if you lose your job and every respectability that, that you need to survive in society, mm-hmm. it's the same difference. Same thing, yeah. So I thought that there was a better socialist, a better version, you know. Now I think that this, now I think there's no way it could ever be any different than that because you can't enforce equality unless you squelch many people in the process and get rid of a lot of them too. And you, you don't, I'm, I, it's why I was so against, well, I mean, for one reason, why I was so against, like, for instance, TARP and the bank bailout. Mm-hmm. We can talk yeah, about- too. Yeah, you, we could talk about that's not the role of government. We could talk about that. Right. But that also takes away your right to fail. That's correct. And the learning, you right. have learned more because you dipped your toe and you dared to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And look who you are now. That you don't, nobody has a right to take my failures away from me. Away from that's me. That's right. Because it's what makes me. That's right. It's just a step on the way to where yes. you're going. And uh, sometimes there are steps that are missteps, but in any way, so, yeah, if you take that away, you take away, pers- you take away the person's actual rights. You take away their rights to, to be self-determined. Yeah. So what are you now? How would you class- classify yourself politically? Well, politically, I would call myself a classical liberal. 
or you know social and cultural libertarian in terms of the the market or in terms of the economic aspect yeah. i would call myself um I, I, I'm a believer in the market. I believe that you, unless you have a free market where people can take their talents to the marketplace and do what they will with them under their own free will, then you have total, you have despotism. Yes, you, you have to. They're, they're, the market is the only way. But if you have the free market yeah. without volume one of Adam Smith, mm-hmm. Moral Sentiments. That's right. You Theory also, of Moral Sentiments. Right. You know you, that book? That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. That's great. You also have totalitarianism that's just right. in a different way. Yeah, so it has. that's what Tap, Tapparelli was trying to mitigate as well, that, that uh, Jesuit would have founded the real social justice, uh, or the first one, I should say. Um, yeah, so I say I'm, uh, I call myself a classical liberal, uh, liberal uh uh, social and cultural libertarian in a sense that I believe people, not that people should be excessive in their, you know, doing whatever they want. You should not violate other people's rights, right? but you should have the self-determination, the freedom, the individual freedom to pursue your dream, which not only is your dream, but might be, you know, part of a bigger plan. Can you help me tie up one thing? Cause I'm a, I'm a, I'm a libertarian. Mm-hmm. Um, and for years, because I was on Fox, people thought I was against gay marriage. I'm not against gay marriage. <laughs> I'm against the state being involved in marriage at all. Ah, you know, there you, you go. You have yeah. no place. I yeah, I don't get any value from the state forcing me to take a blood test and and yeah. give me a license. Right, they have exactly. no place there. Yeah. Um. So do what you want. But how do we close the loop of? Look, you want to be transgender? That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But. I don't, my church might marry gay couples, might not. Right. That's my church. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we might believe that transgendered is the absolute way to go. We might look at the stats and say, it doesn't look like it's healthy long term because suicide rate actually goes up. up. Yeah. Um, I mean, without judgment, let's just yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, sure. But we get into this place to where now who's teaching what is the norm? How do you do that? How do we have an open society that says, look, everybody's got to be left alone. I I see where you're going. But there are moral principles or there are eternal values. Let me say it this way. I can't remember the name of the building, but it's one of the first modern, as first modern, postmodern buildings in America. Mm -hmm. Staircases lead to nowhere, columns that come down and and are floating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Okay, yeah. But it still has a foundation. Yeah. They didn't they didn't monkey so with the actual foundation. So you're asking me, how do we have how do we reconcile social and cultural libertarianism with holding on to values that we believe are necessary for a healthy and functioning social order, right? You have to have I you have to have an unum that you come running around and the yeah. only one I can find is the Eplor- Bill of Rights. Eplorbus Unum, yeah. and without which we have chaos. Right. Well, this may be where we differ slightly. Okay. And tell me if I'm wrong in thinking that we right. might. I think we, it, it requires a struggle of ideas. I agree. We're not going to, we're not going to, ha- we're going to have to gain consent. We're going to have to actually gain hegemony by duking it out not physically yeah, in, yeah. The, in the marketplace of ideas yeah 
But the problem we have now is that the marketplace of ideas has been greatly curtailed, greatly abbreviated yeah. by the social justice left. Right. Such that we can't even get different ideas into right. the marketplace. So we're being banned from. Well, there's putting tariffs that are impe impenetrable to our bringing those goods to the marketplace of ideas at all. We're stopped at the at the perimeter. Perimeter. So I think we're saying the same thing. When I was interviewing schools for my kids to go to, I met with a science teacher, and uh, and I said, do "You teach, do you teach evolution. Do you teach?" intelligent design right um uh do you teach creationism yeah. in my opinion yeah all of those should be we don't know yeah you know, what agree. happened before the big bang we don't right. know it, yeah, so, nothing maybe but, right yeah. but what happened How, yeah. what what was the first cause that lit that fuse i don't know right and it's good to know all of it and then I it's think so. up for teach you the controversy. to decide yeah teach yeah. the controversy but we're not letting that happen so I, you know, I'm a, I am a social, cultural, and you know, uh, libertarian, and and libertarian in the marketplace of ideation or ideas, mm -hmm. and I think we have to have that, or we're going to have real problems because that's what's happening. There's no competition. There's right. no competition in these right. places for for thoughts, right. and so that's why our children are being told, you know, come and have a gender transition party. Right. And everybody acts like it's normal. Right. Uh, and if you oppose it, you must be some Neanderthal. So. The difference I'm thinking that we might have is I know you're real big on reconciliation, and I'm not sure we can have reconciliation with people whose ideas are so mm. injurious. Okay. Tell me so, if that's... Okay. Uh, I do not believe... Um, I mean, I couldn't reconcile with Adolf Hitler. Yes. Unless right. Adolf Hitler... Changed. Changed. Yes. Okay. okay. But there's a lot of people who, like you have kind of gone along and now these signs are starting to pop up and they're like, wait a minute, just like me in 2004, 2003, I was very raw, raw GOP. Well, about 2005, I'm starting to wake up going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're going where we're doing what. And that's that, that wait a minute, this is not right. Something's wrong here. And yeah. I started seeing the game that was played, Yes, but I had no place to go. Um, that was, it was either this or that yeah. it's binary. It's the yeah. only binary thing <laughs> that's allowed. <laughs> that's allowed. Um, and so what do you do? And so reconciling is we're reconciling. Yes. You know, yeah. we might've, we might, I might've seen you with Joe Scarborough and thought this guy's a moron. Okay? <laughs> you might've watched me and said the same thing, but we now no. realize, no, we don't have to agree on anything, yeah. Yeah. but the unum. For me, it's the Bill of Rights. Yes. You have a right to speak. We have to, to have standing and, principles, standing yes. foundational beliefs. And around that. Unless we have that, and unless they're good ones, right? Yeah. Ones that are based on what we think are, or, or make the happiness of everybody possible. Not guaranteed, right. but possible. But don't we have that? We do, but we're it's being utterly avoided, yes. utterly eschewed, and actually dispensed with. So, Michael, my theory is... Um, we need to start a whole different system uh, of education. I don't know. I mean, yes. how we can do that? Yes, but, but I think in, it has to let be me done. ask you in the short in the short term. Um, we, my theory is, if we play into this outrage and we mm -hmm. call, continue to call each other names, yeah, um, we are going to miss the opportunity to meet people like you, or for people like you to meet people like me, yeah, because we're just going to say. You're on the other side. 
Yeah. Um, and and we we play in and it actually accelerate the chaos. Would you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, I agree with you entirely. So what, if you had one piece of advice, what does somebody on a conservative side or a liberal side mm-hmm. say to the other to bring them to some sort of understanding of reason? Wow. Oh, wow. What's your, op- what's your opening statement? To tell, tell, tell either a conservative or somebody on the other side how to broach. The- how do I, how do I, how do I, what, I mean, there's a study and I write about it in the book. There's a study that says you have a great impact. I think it's 65 or 75% uh, chance of actually opening a door. If you start with, you know what? I got to tell you something. One of the big mistakes that I made Mm -hmm. was X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Because people put their shields down and they go, oh. Yeah. And then they usually will go, oh, I know I've done that too. And it opens. Yeah. Is there. Well, I think that's a good point. Yeah. I'd say, yeah. Leading with questions rather than leading with declarations might be a way. You know, leading with invitations rather than leading with daggers. Yeah. Uh, but we have to, how do we deal with something like Antifa? I mean, they're not going to listen. No, but I don't think there's not that many of them. Look, yeah. I I think it's like a football field Yeah, and we're, we're talking about reconciliation or understanding each other. And we think that we have to, everybody has to agree from the 50 yard line (laughs) to the end zone. Yeah. No, those people at the three yard line, they're never going to get them. No, they're crazy on both sides. Yeah, that's true. Let's just get the people who are. Okay. So that's a, that's what we're looking for as a quorum and we can do that. We can do that. I think we can do that. I know because we spoke beforehand and, you know, I know that you would say that, uh, oh no, I, you know, I didn't have a problem with you. I thought you were a smart guy, whatever, but there had to be at least a lot of your friends who hated my guts and thought I was the antichrist. Ten years oh yeah. Ago. I would have, I mean, the fact that I'm sitting down with you now is just further validation for these people that, yeah, this guy, yeah, you've, you're gone. Yeah, I'm gone. You're gone. You know, and they think I had a great fall. Right. Okay. They think I've I've fallen from a great height. (laughs) I know. And so I look at this and I think, um, uh, I'm an alcoholic. Okay. When I sobered up, all my friends changed. And a lot of my old friends didn't want me to sober up because I was fine. Sure. That's right. Changes the paradigm. Changes changes everything. Yeah. Um, and you have to start life over. Yeah. You are going from respected intellectual New York, NYU. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get any, no offense, easier in some ways. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's than pretty elite. You, you know? were in the in crowd, in the in place, doing yep. the right thing. Right. Now your whole life is, is different. Yeah. What happens to you? What are you, what, well, you know, what's happened since? You, you know, you mentioned being an alcoholic. I gave up something and it might look like I've lost something by having given it up, but I've gained my soul. That's more important than the whole world. As we know, I got my soul back. I have a, I have a relationship with a God. I have a relationship with my family that was never like this before. I mean, I lost, I got divorced over this stuff. 
I turned into a, a weirdo in graduate school and I couldn't have a relationship with my wife anymore. I lost the family over this. So I don't care. Uh, I don't care what they say. They can say whatever they want. <laughs> I have a relationship with somebody that's far more powerful and meaningful and, and glorious you, than them. You were agnostic. Yes. Raised Catholic? I was raised Catholic. I was a seminarian in high school. Wow. Yeah. And then you went agnostic. So you never rejected. But I, never... I was like, a, I wanted to be, it wasn't about being tepid or anything, but I said, you know, you, you can't really know. Yeah. So, and agnostic means don't, you don't yeah, know. Right. I would never say I was, I would never say I was atheist. Yeah. I never did because I thought that's arrogant and I still think it's arrogant. Yeah. I you was, have to be God to say there's no God. Right. I mean, who are you to know? Yeah. And I was, <laughs> I, I was the same way. I, I got to, when I sobered up, I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I believe in stuff because people told me I believed in it and I don't, I don't have any relationship. I don't know if any of that's true. Yeah. And I became an, uh, an agnostic. Oh, uh, wow. and, uh, and thought, you know, if, God is real. Yeah. He'd want me to find him. And yeah. if he's a good God. He'll help uh, me to get there. He, he, yeah, he'll help me. And yeah. he wants me to challenge him. Yes. Because he doesn't yes. you know what being You know, would another want. thing I thought about is, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, way, the way I was raised and sort of the, the religiosity of my family, I'm talking about not my kids and wife, but yeah. my, you know, my siblings and so forth. I thought that I couldn't trust God because he would take away my gifts, my intellect, what I wanted, you know, what I, my goals and stuff like that, what yeah. I wanted to do for a little with my life. I didn't trust him. I thought he would, if he was there, he would take it away. So why would I follow that? I don't want to be. Oh. So, uh, it's been a, I would say that this happened for a reason. What happened to me? And it wasn't my idea. It was God's idea. Now, I'm not saying I'm some sort of a I know. Moses here, but I'm all saying us, that I have a small mission and this is it. All of us do. Yeah. I can't get over I can't get over the idea that we were all born in this country with this technology at this time with mm -hmm. this struggle and we're not supposed to stand up one way or another. You're not supposed right. to we're all placed exactly where we're supposed right, to be. Right. And, and the, the people we meet and the even sitting in an airport, the stranger right next to you, it's no mistake. It's no accident. So what are you going to do now, Michael? Well, um, I'm just following the path. I don't, you know, I, I'm trying to follow the path that I've been put on and I believe the next right thing will be revealed you know, at the right time, I, I can't say where the plans, where the plan leads, but I know it's really not, not up to me really. So I'll just follow the lead that I get and the hints that I get and the cues and the very clear messages that I get along the way. And I'll end up where I end up and I'll be happy. And I know it's the best way to go. Just a reminder. I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people.